0: I want to start this morning by sharing a story with you uh, It's a serious story Sometimes I like to start with a funny story a joke I think I threw the early service off a little bit With me telling the serious story But but it, it applies, I think, very well to where we're going this morning There's a story about uh, a woman who was married to A man who was a very demanding Husband, in fact, he was so demanding that he prepared a list of rules and regulations that he expected his wife to follow every day. He insisted that she read the list every day and obey each item to the letter. Uh, this list of of do's and don'ts included such details as she had to get up early in the morning to to fix and serve him breakfast. She had uh, a list of of tasks household uh, work that needed to be done during the day and then at night she had to make sure that nothing was left out and then rinse, repeat each day. The story goes after several long years, the husband dies and as time passes, she she meets and falls in love with another man. Uh, But this man was kind and, and generous and loved her dearly. Soon after they were married, this husband did everything that he could uh, to make his his new wife know that she was loved and valued and appreciated. He spoke kindly to her. He supported her. He encouraged her. He continually showered her with love and affection and and gifts of appreciation. And so one day she was cleaning the house and she found tucked away in one of the drawers this list of do's and don'ts, these rules and regulations that her first husband had drawn up for her. And as she looked over the list, she had a a powerful revelation. She realized that even though her, her present husband hadn't given her any list of do's and don'ts, she was doing everything that her first husband's list required and and had even surpassed it all and what she realized was that she was so devoted to this person her deepest desire was was to please him that she was doing all of these things not out of a sense of obligation but out of an overflow of love and affection so i want you to keep that story in mind as we dig deeper into this idea today of of what it looks like to live a Jesus-shaped life. Today's topic is the obedience of Jesus. It's the the second week of this season that we call Lent in preparation for uh, the new life in Christ that we celebrate and experience at Easter. And so last week when we started this conversation, we talked about uh, a few words that we hear in church a lot that have kind of gotten a bad rap And uh, the hope is that we would rediscover the meaning of these words So that we could rediscover their beauty and their importance for us As followers of Christ and as members of Christ's body, the church Last week we we tackled some words like uh, Holy and, and sanctify and confession and repentance And so today I want us to take a look at that word that that's often scoffed at, that we often bristle at, not only in the church but also just in the world. It's this word obedience. I want you to think for just a minute about where we hear this word and obe- this word obedience in our culture. A couple of places that I thought about this week is uh, where, where do we send dogs when we want to train them? We send them to where. Obedience school, right? We, we We praise parents for having obedient children, but as adults, we don't want to be seen as as children, right? much less dogs so so we kind of bristle at this word obedience, and I think it kind of has to do with with kind of the way that we we see the world around us and all the the power dynamics that 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 word implies, right We, we talked a few weeks ago about how we as humans, we tend to be more concerned with, with the love of power than the power of love. And so with that in mind, you can see how uh, this word obedience can be a difficult pill to swallow because not only the word, but, but the living it out has been mismanaged and abused in all of our different, in different situations and relationships we, we, we've come to associate obedience with other words like submission and obligation, conformity, duty, even subjugation. My, my friend J.D. Waltz says we tend to carry a negative connotation with the word obey because we immediately associate it with authoritarianism, which is the notion of an authority figure powering down on us, i.e. don't ask questions, just do what I say. Pastor Charles Stanley says the bottom line in the Christian life is obedience and most people don't even like the word. So here's the thing, that's that's not the kind of obedience that I want to talk about today. Because that's not the kind of obedience I believe we find in the Bible especially when we look closely at the life of Jesus. What what we see what i hope you'll see today is this picture of obedience that's that's grounded in grace and truth it's this obedience to god that's rooted and established and overflowing in love it's an obedience to god that's embodied by christ himself it's a kind of obedience that leads to life life abundant this freedom in Christ, uh, One of the most powerful phrases in this week's reading, I don't know if you all are, are following along in the book of the Daily Devotions, but if you are, uh, you probably read on page 36 this week, the author Steve Cordell has this great quote about obedience. He says, there's no such thing as a Jesus-shaped person who does not obey God, because Jesus' life was marked by obedience to the Father. I think the, the, the greatest demonstration of obedience in the Bible was shown to us by Jesus on the cross, where where Paul says in Philippians, Jesus humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. But even before that, we have this great decision of obedience that once again, Jesus demonstrates for us with these famous words that serve as an example for all of us who would seek to be obedient to God. In, in Luke 23, Jesus prays in the garden Father if you're willing Take this cup from me Yet not my will But yours be done But even before that Jesus was Was not only practicing what he preached He was preaching what he practiced uh, the gospels are full of, of the teachings of Jesus where he teaches people about what it means to live a life of obedience to God and, and, and his teachings were controversial and the ironic thing about it is they were controversial to the religious people, the people who you, you would think were all about obedience to God, right? Jesus <laughs> begins his sermon on the mount talking about uh, how he's not come to, to abolish the law, he's come to fulfill the law. But right out of the gate, he makes a clear distinction about the difference between obedience as simply following rules out of obligation and obedience as faithfulness to the relationship with God out of an overflow of love and affection and appreciation for who God is and what God's done. So I want us to dig, dig into that a little bit today. In Matthew's gospel, chapter 5, Jesus kind of comes out of the gates swinging with this, this statement. Matthew five twenty says, Jesus says, For I tell you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Now think about that for just a minute. In Jesus' day, the most dedicated religious rule followers was this group of religious leaders called the Pharisees, right? Uh, they ordered their life around obeying every one of the 613 commandments in the Old Testament, right? They were, they were these, uh, just this shining example of, of obedience, right? So, so the people who heard Jesus say this wor- these words were probably like, wait, what? More righteous than the Pharisees? How is that even possible, Maybe you're thinking the same thing today. How is that even possible? Maybe, maybe it's not the Pharisees though. Maybe, maybe it's maybe it's the pastors who we all know are perfect in every way, right? You're supposed to laugh at that. Maybe it's maybe it's the maybe it's the person that you're friends with on Facebook that's always putting the Bible verses on there. Maybe it's. Maybe it's that group of people that you know that seem to be doing all the right things. And you think, man, I'm struggling just to keep up. There's no way I could keep more laws than, than that person or the, those people. Well, if, it, if, it, if that's you today, if you're feeling the weight of that, I got some good news for you. I believe this passage And the verses that follow are teaching us An important lesson about obedience Jesus isn't urging us to keep more laws than the Pharisees He's he's calling us to pursue this holiness of heart That surpasses just simply the appearance of holiness Through this external adherence to a list of do's and don'ts That's not what it's about. See, keeping rules isn't God's goal. Transforming relationships is is God's true intention. And so, Jesus is, is telling us that true transformation happens here first, right? Legalism can never make us holy because it, it only deals with the external behavior and, and, and behavior modification is simply treating the, syst- the, the symptoms. Heart surgery is what we really need. And that's what God's word does. And that's why Christ came to do what we could never do on our own. He came to change our hearts and our minds so that our lives might be changed as a, as a result. That's what true repentance and true redemption is all about. We can, we can attempt to modify our behavior and our own strength, right? But only the Holy Spirit can transform us inwardly so that in Christ we begin to desire what, what God desires. That is beginning to end the work of grace in our lives. We can't do it ourselves, only God can. But we have a choice on how we respond. So the obedience of Jesus wasn't rule-keeping. It was a spirit-led life that sprang from a heart that was always willing to, to answer that gentle whisper of God and was always willing to say yes, even before he knew what he was saying yes to sometimes. And the same is true for us. Jesus is inviting us into a relationship just like that. A relationship that's so filled with trust in God's goodness, that's so overflowing with gratitude for God's generosity, that's so completely transformed by God's grace that our hearts can say, even in the midst of of suffering, even in the midst of doubt and confusion, we, we can say, yet not my will but yours be done, God, because we know that God is for us. And God is with us, and God is working in and through us for good. That's that's the point I think Jesus is trying to make in his sermon on the mount. And over and over again, as you read the rest of the words in this sermon, you see this pattern where Jesus is shifting our focus beyond the external to the internal. See, the law was about these external behaviors And Jesus is saying, I want to transform your heart so that you can do these things, but not in your own strength or for your own sake or for your own glory, but but in my strength and for my glory. So Jesus says stuff like, you've heard it said, don't murder. But I say to you, don't harbor anger and, and bitterness and resentment in your heart. Be reconciled to God. You've heard it said, said don't, don't commit adultery. But I say, don't even look lustfully at someone. You're, you're committing adultery in your heart. And that's where it needs to change. And so forth and so on. That shift from the external to the internal. Now, now, obviously, the consequences are different between our thoughts and our desires and our actions. And that's important. But just like we talked about last week, all those things start here. And here in our hearts and our minds the things that we allow to shape our thoughts and feelings eventually begin to shape our actions and our habits and our actions and our habits eventually become the shape of our lives and so Jesus as usual is getting to the heart of the matter by getting to the matter of the heart Jesus knows that wherever our hearts That that's where our lives are going to go And so I think the lesson is is this We can't live a Jesus-shaped life Unless we let the life of Christ shape our hearts And minds our thoughts and our actions we have to allow God's spirit into the deepest parts of our lives in order to become more like Jesus and we can wear ourselves out trying to do all the right things when the real next right thing that we need to do is simply allow Christ to come in and transform our hearts through the power of the Holy Spirit and until we do that we're we're just spinning our wheels Reminds me of what he says, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, come to me and I'll give you rest. Later on in Matthew's gospel, this is what what Jesus um, calls out the Pharisees for again. He says they're missing the point. They're missing the mark because they're missing the point. Listen to this. This is Matthew 23. Jesus says, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they're full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside will also be clean. See, Jesus is calling us to this obedience to God that's not this uh, external Adherence to rules and regulations. It's an internal alteration of our hearts and minds shaped by the cross of Christ and the fruit of the Spirit. It's an obedience that's grounded in grace and truth. It's an obedience that's rooted and established and and overflowing with love. It's an obedience that's embodied by the life of Christ himself. And so Jesus ends the Sermon on the Mount in true Jesus fashion with with a call to action through a question and a story. I wanna read it for you today. uh, Luke chapter six, verses 46 through 49. Jesus asks a powerful question. For those of us that are seeking to live a Jesus-shaped life, hear Jesus's words to us today. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? And then hear this story. As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they're like. They're like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid a foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck and the house, struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a firm foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its structure, destruction was complete. Jesus is saying, I want you to obey me because I want you to have the kind of life that can withhold, withstand the, the, the difficulties of life, that can stand secure and firm throughout all the storms that are inevitably a part of all of our lives as we live in this world. Jesus is not calling us to obedience just because he wants to control us, but because he wants to set us free to live a life that's firmly rooted in the truth of God's word. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I say? He's saying that the difference between A life that is shaken to the core and a life that's, that stands firm in the storms is obedience. It's, it's choosing to, to build your life on the truth of, of God's word and God's love for you. It's during the storms of life that we, we learn the difference between knowing about Jesus and, and knowing Jesus personally and intimately when the when the wind is beating against the 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 sides of our house, those rules and regulations fly out the window, and the foundations of our faith are shaken, but it's it's the relationship that we have with God. It's the faith in his goodness, it's the trust in his grace it's 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 the relationship that sustains us, enables us to to stand secure in the storms and and, and those moments, those storms in life become defining moments where we realize that our faith is either grounded in in obligation or it's it's growing in love and gratefulness to God. To the God in Jesus Christ that's given his life for us because of his love for us. It makes all the difference in the world. So I wanna leave you with what I think is a a powerful question today for all of us. Are we trying to live a Jesus-shaped life by fulfilling our obligation to a list of do's and don'ts? Or are we seeking to live a Jesus-shaped life out out of the overflow of love and devotion to the God who loves us and who gave his life for us? To the God who who seeks to move in and through us to transform us and the world around us. I read something this week that said uh, the average American is 30 to 40 pounds overweight, but, but also 30 to 40 Bible verses overweight. And it talked about how we have all this knowledge of the Bible that we've ingested, but what are we doing with it? How are we exercising our faith through obedience, through doing what Jesus says? So what might that look like for us to, to respond to what God is saying to us to go and do over these next 40 days? I think we're at a time and place in history where people care a lot less about how much you know About the Bible, and they care a lot more about not what you tell them about Jesus, but how your life reflects the light and life of Christ. You've heard the old saying, right? Uh, People don't care how much you know till they know how much you care. I believe those words are more true now than maybe they've ever been. That's why it's never been more important for us to not just learn how to live a Jesus-shaped life, but to actually live a Jesus-shaped life. Not just for ourselves, but, but for those around us. You know, we talk all the time about how we need to get people into church, and, and I'm one of the main ones that says that. But, you know, what I think we really need is to get church into people. people like you and me, that we are the church. This phrase has been going through my heart and mind for the last few weeks, and it's this, Jesus was building a church long before the church was a building. Think about that for just a minute. We have a beautiful building But the church is not brick and mortar, it's flesh and bone, it's you and me. And so wherever we are, there's the church. And that's the church that people need. That's the church Jesus is building, that's the church that that we need to continue to build our lives and our life together on. So I'd love for you to pray about who someone in your life is that you might bring to church. But what I'd love for you to pray even more is who's someone in your life that you wanna bring church to. Because people don't just need to hear another sermon about Jesus. People need to see Jesus in you and me. Dietrich Bonhoeffer has this great quote I think says it best He says one act Of obedience Is better than a hundred Sermons So My sermon's over What's your one Act of obedience going to be Today I want to invite You to pray with me and Before you bow your heads, I want you to look up at the screen, and I want to invite you to pray what I'm calling the Jesus-shaped life prayer with me. It's that prayer we read last week from Psalm 139. It's the perfect place, I believe, for us to start. So let's pray this together. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. God, that is the cry of our hearts today. That's the prayer from our hearts today, that you would come and do what only you can do so that we might be who you have created and called and commissioned us to be as the church, the body of Christ, followers of your son Jesus. Lord, we just acknowledge that we can't live the Jesus-shaped life without Jesus, without his leadership, without his lordship, without his guidance, Lord, without the power of, of the Holy Spirit. And so, God, we we invite you into our hearts, into our lives, into our life together. If there's anyone here today, God, that has been worn out by trying to live the, the Jesus-shaped life just through following a list of do's and don'ts in their own strength, I pray today would be the day that they would receive your gift of grace. That they would put their trust and their life in your hands, allow you to do what only you can do so that they might live their life not out of obligation, but out of an overflow of love for you and your love for them. Lord, I pray you would continue to guide us to be who you've called and created and commissioned us to be as individuals and as families and as a fellowship family. Lord, give us eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts that are open to receive and to respond to whatever it is that you have for us today. God, we love you and we thank you. We offer ourselves to you in Jesus' name, amen, amen. We're gonna sing one more song and as we do, the altars are open. You're invited to come and pray if you would like. You can come and pray about anything you'd like. If you want somebody to pray with you, I'd love to, to pray with you. You may just wanna stay in your seats and pray. You may just wanna sing the words to these this song, but as I often like to remind us, just for these last few minutes we have in service today, I just invite you to open yourself up to what God might be wanting to to say to you and how you might respond. So let's stand as we sing.